Welcome back to our new season, Green Buys by Sustainable Asia. I'm Shermaine Lee, and I'm Bonnie Ao. Green Buys is a weekly show that delivers our handpicked news roundup on green stories in Asia that you should know about. Last week, we mentioned that climate policies would be on the agenda of China's largest annual political meetings, called the Two Sessions. Now that the meetings are currently in full swing, we will be covering some of the key takeaways from the meetings so far. So, for those who might be wondering, the two sessions or Lianghui in Chinese consists of two separate meetings that usually happen simultaneously. The two being Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference (CPPCC) and the National People's Congress or NPC for short. During these meetings, important bills and drafts are brought to the table, which will decide the country's direction of development in the next five years. This year, at the NPC, which started on the fifth of March, climate control targets are high on China's agenda. And a bit of context here: China just pledged in late last year to transition into a carbon-neutral nation by 2060, and has banned single-use plastics in some provinces since January this year. The nation is also going to roll out an online national credit trading system in mid 2021. Now, the country is expected to announce a more comprehensive and detailed plan on how it will achieve that ambitious goal, considering it is the world's largest emitter of greenhouse gases. At the Congress, Chinese Premier Li Keqiang said a working plan will be drafted to ensure China's carbon emissions peak by 2030. In the new five-year plan, the country aims to remove heavy air and water pollution. It will also pull back its funding on new coal-fired power plants at home and abroad, and channel them into renewable energy, electric vehicles, and battery storage. It aims to boost the amount of renewable energy made from wind and solar power by 120 million kilowatts in 2021. The government is also set to promote the construction of nuclear power plants. With an aim to increase generating capacity from 50 gigawatts to 70 gigawatts by 2025, a target of having 70% heating to come from clean energy in northern China was also mentioned. Also, Chinese analysts said that the country now aims to focus on developing low-carbon tech. The country's special top-down system usually achieves or overachieves the target it sets for itself. So experts are expecting the national emissions to start falling within five years. Beijing said last week that its carbon emissions per unit of GDP dropped by 18.8 percent from 2016 to 2020. As part of their long-term goal, the country aims to further cut that number to 18 percent. A few major corporations are responding to China's climate goals. The country's state-owned electric utility corporation State Grid. Also, the largest utility firm in the world unveiled an action plan that seeks to build more wind and solar energy infrastructure across the country. As part of their plan, they are expecting to transmit 50% of their electricity to its vast network from clean energy sources by 2025. It estimated that by then. About one fifth of the whole country can consume energy generated from sources other than fossil fuels, 
and that figure can jump to one fourth by 2030. China, notorious for its illegal wildlife trade, has a huge appetite for exotic animals. These animals often end up being made into fur products or used in traditional Chinese medicine. Now, the country is stepping up in protecting endangered species. Last month, it added over 500 species to its list of major protected wild animals, seeking to put an end to such trades and destruction of their habitats. After the addition, a total of 980 wild animals are now under state protection. The responsible ministry said reshaping the list was quote extremely urgent, especially after the first COVID cases were found in a seafood market in Wuhan that sold exotic wild animals. The coronavirus is believed to have crossed into humans from bats through an intermediary species, and pangolins have been identified as a potential candidate. The country has since intensified its crackdown on wildlife trade. It prosecuted over 15,000 people for related crimes from January to September last year, a 66% jump from the same period the year before. To protect forests and wetlands, China planned to close off nature reserves to slash human exposure to virus hotspots. Sustainable Asia has also previously published an award-winning report which looked into the illicit wildlife trade of pangolins in Asia and Africa. The English podcast, The Pangolin Report, is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so feel free to check them out. Now, China's strong motivation for protecting the environment might be related to its exacerbating water crisis. The South China Morning Post has reported some alarming news for the country. The Yangtze River, the longest in China, is drying up at a worrying rate of about two centimeters, or zero point eight inches, every five years since the nineteen eighties. Researchers pointed fingers at human activities, including changing landscape and building dams. But they said climate change plays an even bigger role in the decline, contributing to nearly 80 percent. And to understand the scale of the issue, the Yangtze region accounts for over one third of China's GDP and supplies half of the water consumption in Beijing. The river that stretches nearly 4,000 miles from Tibet to the East China Sea has enabled food production and transport, and is an indispensable part of economic development in the country. Now that over 1,000 lakes disappeared along the waterway, it might speed up the extinction of certain plants and animals that don't necessarily favor a drier environment. China has banned fishing activities in the waters for the next decade from this year onwards, and tightened approvals for new construction projects along the river. Moving on to the silver linings of the plastic crisis. A study recently published in science journal Nature showed that deep ocean plastic dumps in the South China Sea can be new hotspots for biodiversity. The dumps are said to hold as many as 52,000 pieces of plastic for each square kilometer, ranging from bags, bottles to food wrappers. After studying 33 pieces of such plastic at depths of down to 3,200 meters. The scientists found that they carry nearly 1,200 individual organisms from nearly 50 species that live at the bottom of the ocean. They include jellyfish polyps, which is a stage of jellyfish's life cycle that requires them to be fixed on the surface, as well as juveniles of shelled organisms. The team also found deep sea snails, soft corals, and parasitic flatworms on these pieces of plastic. Humans are also doing more to cope with the climate crisis. 
Reuters reported that an NGO, Environmental Defense Fund, launched a multilingual website that aims to connect fishermen and their communities to look for solutions to the challenges they face at work. Ninety percent of the fishermen in the world operate in a small scale, and their work has become increasingly difficult. Fish are moving to areas with cooler waters, rising sea levels, as well as areas that are threatened from overfishing and more frequent storms. So this website is set up to help fishermen to bargain for better prices. It contains a resource library for them to search different topics, and can be shared on related social media platforms. EDF also started a pilot project in Indonesia's Sumatra Island to record and monitor the catch in blue swimming crab fisheries through an app to help make it more sustainable. They also developed a separate app which uses cameras with artificial intelligence and algorithms to monitor the number of fishing vessels out at sea and estimate the catch. And Taiwan has already been doing something similar since 2007. The South Rude Island requires all small-scale fishermen to use. Global positioning system devices that report a vessel's location every three minutes. The data is then analyzed along with fish catches and other information. It is said to provide insights into fisheries livelihoods and food security, which in turn can help shape related government policy. And that's all for this week's Green Bites. Don't hesitate to share your thoughts with us on our social media platforms with the hashtag #ShareYourBite. Please subscribe to our podcast channels for more content and share them with your friends and family. To find out more about us, visit our website sustainableasia.co and follow us on Twitter at sustainableasia or Facebook sustainableasiaco. 